Brogue. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. On June 14, 1777, the Second Continental Congress adopted the following resolution. Resolved that the flag of the United States be 13 stars, white in a blue field, representing a new constellation. Well, quite frankly... That is refers to the stars and stripes, sometimes old glory. And I can never remember a time, even as a young boy, when my heart didn't skip a beat, when I spotted old glory painting the breeze, as the song said. And perhaps that's something to do with the fact that, well, my birthday happens to be on Flag Day, which we recently celebrated. After all, not everyone is privileged to have an entire nation put out its flags on one's birthday, but I know other Americans have shared and felt the same bond and unity and sense of pride and purpose that our flag represents in our hearts. But the reality is that a flag is just a symbol. It's not the substance of something. And when the substance that it represents changes or dissolves or is distorted, then what happens? Well, the symbol begins to lose its meaning, doesn't it? And when the nation loses its integrity the flag loses its bond of allegiance. And when the flag no longer holds respect among the people, then there's clear evidence that exists of severe internal decay. And that is our current plight right now in this great land that we hold dear. We're developing an allegiance gap because we have an integrity gap. And so I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. Today, we are going to take a look at not only the allegiance gap as we pledge allegiance to the flag, but we're also going to talk about what that allegiance is and to whom is that allegiance given and why. And are there any limits to that allegiance? I don't know about you, but uh, I have been a patriot since I was a young boy. I have more tie uh, flag ties and even jackets and red, white, and blue than the man in the moon. I am a true patriot. But I'll tell you one thing, my heart is grieved because that which I envisioned as a young boy when I pledged allegiance to the flag every single day at school, from elementary school on through high school, I never would have imagined that things would be like they are today, and perhaps you wouldn't either. In 1892, Francis Bellamy wrote our Pledge of Allegiance, and it was published in a magazine called Youth's Companion. And millions of Americans since that time, like I did, have stood proudly in public gatherings and saluted the Stars and Stripes, and it's still done at ball games, as you know. Others, not responding respectfully, turn their hands, get on their knees, or do ever, whatever, disrespectfully, refusing to pledge allegiance. But the words say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And we kind of share that understanding. It was a mutual conviction that America was good and that America stood for justice and for truth and for jur- virtue and honor and led us to continue our pledge and to the republic, we sang, for which it stands... And then we begin to ask ourselves, what do we stand for? And so I ask you today, 
what does America stand for today? As you understand it, what does America stand for today? And then the next question is, what do you stand for? And as you know, as it's been said, if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. So our kids once saluted the flag daily in schoolrooms, as I did. Well, some do and some don't. And some just take it ho-hum, take it or leave it. And then Virginia's legislature not long ago had to pass a law to mandate the flag salute that teachers and children formally recited from their hearts. But now, well, all that seems to be passe. So I have a question for you. Is there a link between our soul and our flagging symbol? How have we lost our allegiance? Well, here is that pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I was a young boy in 1953 when President Eisenhower added the words under God to our Pledge of Allegiance. But are we really under God? I want to share with you some very, very important pieces of music today on Viewpoint. In fact, there will be four different ones, Lord willing, and the time affords. And the first one is a song sung by Ray Bolts. It's called, I Pledge Allegiance. I Pledge Allegiance to the Lamb. I hope you listen to it carefully. It's inspiring, and we need to hear it. I have heard how Christian love ago were brought before a tyrant's throne, and they were told that he would spare their lives if they would renounce the name. Live our lives 
for the one who died to give us light and the trumpet sound on the Friday. Let us proudly stand. And that's the choice that many of us will be making shortly, in fact, perhaps already have made. We'll talk more about this Pledge of Allegiance when we get back and take a look at what's happened to our allegiance. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chrismar, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. We pledge allegiance to the flag, but do we pledge allegiance to the Lamb, that is, Christ himself? And to what degree do we pledge allegiance to Christ as opposed to the flag of the United States? And why is the flag flagging in our estimation? You see, the flag is but a symbol. It's not the substance of something. And when the substance represented a nation under God, and therefore indivisible because we were under God mutually, then we had something to pledge allegiance to. But as we have gradually forfeited that allegiance, either passively or aggressively, we now find that the flag has lost its meaning. And we don't have to look very far. It's not a mystery, because the allegiance gap is, at its root, an integrity gap. And as our integrity has disintegrated in this country, from pulpit to pew, pew, from the church house to the White House to the schoolhouse to the courthouse, we find something serious has happened in the heart of America today. So the question that I have for you is, what is in your heart? You see, America is not a feeling, it's not a political whim, it's not even a patriotic euphoria. It's we the people. I have been asked, even as recently as last week, if you could go back and reselect the name of the ministry that uh, you represent and have for 28 years now called Save America Ministries, would you change it? I knew what the question was posed because the pastor that posed the question thought that somehow he could only think of Save America Ministries in in terms of a political institution. He could only think of it in terms of a patriotic kind of thought. No. Save America Ministries is about we the people. You see, the heart of America is not an institution. 
it's not even a patriotic fervor. It is a substance of a people who committed themselves to a covenant under God to live out his truth in real time on this planet and on these shores. That's why it was referred to by our earliest founders as a new Israel. But we didn't fulfill that. Just like ancient Israel, we have fallen down on the job. So, we don't like to see what we see in our national mirror. So, how can I and how can you or we pledge allegiance to a nation that's losing its integrity? Can tragedy alone inspire us, like the uh, 9-11 tragedy? Will Rogers said this back in 1949. He said, if we ever pass out as a great nation, we ought to put on our tombstone, America died of the delusion she had moral leadership. In other words, moral leadership is the key to greatness and even the survival of our nation. And so in 1953, when President Eisenhower in his first inaugural address reflected, saying whatever America hopes to bring to pass in the world must first come to pass in the heart of America. So the question again is, what is in the heart of America today? What's in your heart? That's the real question. And as goes our integrity, so goes our allegiance. So, as we look at this subject of allegiance today, and we wonder why it is that we have such a strange feeling when the call for the Pledge of Allegiance comes forward, and somehow we feel a certain element of even betrayal To the Lord, if we pledge allegiance to the flag, many people are increasingly feeling that way. But if we don't pledge allegiance to the flag, then somehow we feel that we're betraying our country. A nation that was supposed to be under God and that had a true godly foundation, not based upon the so-called founding fathers, but based upon the Puritans, and the Pilgrims. And so today, as we continue looking at our dilemma, we're going to square some of these things, not only with information from our nation's past that is both troubling and inspiring, but also additional music that helps us to come to grips and encourages our hearts even as we struggle with this issue of our allegiance. The reality is that unless God sheds his grace on us at this unique time in history, we probably have no hope. People ask me continually, and have for 10 years now, do you see any hope for the future of America? My answer is simple, no. Not in the natural, but as long as God hasn't brought final judgment, then there is hope. Hope springs eternal in the human breast, and the hope is not built on politics. The hope is not built on the next election. The hope is not built on the back of uh, donkeys or elephants, Republicans or Democrats. It's built 
on Jesus Christ. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. If we lose our pledge of allegiance to the Lamb of God, to live righteously before him, we also will see our pledge of allegiance to our country falling into increasing disrepair. We want to hear the words of that beautiful hymn that was penned by a dear woman, Catherine Lee Bates, from the top of Pike's Peak, America's Mountain. It's a prayer. America, America, God shed his grace on thee. Listen carefully. did see beyond the years. Thine, 
Brotherhood. Amen. That's a prayer. God shed his grace on thee. What is God's grace? Certainly it's his unearned favor, but it's more than that. It's his enabling power to enable us to fulfill his will, to do his will, even as a people, we the people of the United States of America, even as we pledge allegiance to a nation under God. But if the nation is not under God anymore, then can we pledge allegiance to the flag with integrity? That's the dilemma that we're facing increasingly now. There are those in the liberal factions, hyper-liberal areas, political liberals, that are saying, no, uh, this nation never was uh, even what we purport to be, it's all been a deception, it's all been a lie, and we're not going to pledge allegiance to anything for anybody, we're just going to pledge allegiance to ourselves. So the me, me, me generation has replaced we the people. Have you noticed that? And the net re- results of this is not uh, wonderful, beautiful, crowning of good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. No. It's rioting, murder, mayhem, fighting, dissing God's truth. This is what's happened because we have not yielded to the grace of God. We cried God shed his grace on us, but we weren't sincere. Not as a people. And it's interesting that as the individuals singing this song that many have said should have become America's national anthem, they left out one of the most important lines, and I want to share that with you. America, America, God mend thine every flaw, until the whole be self-control, your liberty in law. Hmm. Now liberty is turned into license. Everybody doing that which they want to do. Even the law itself doesn't matter anymore. Even our courts don't respect the law. Why? Because they don't respect the lawgiver. They don't respect God. So the only one who could really help us is God to mend our every flaw. But the only way that he can do that is if we yield to his word, his will, and his ways. At every point, not substituting our own viewpoint for his. This is a very troubling moment for us in this country, I fear. I remember back in 1996, I was so distressed over the condition of our country and of the church my wife saw that it was affecting my health, and she says, Chuck, you've got to get out of here and hear from God. 
And so she sent me, arranged to send me to a place called Prayer Mountain on the slopes of Pikes Peak, where America the Beautiful was written. And I spent a a week of prayer and fasting there, uh, just north of Colorado Springs. And I want to share with you what happened as a result of that week of prayer and fasting. It will help to tie the rest of our program here today together to make true sense from the heart. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to Viewpoint, and Viewpoint does determine destiny. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. Saveus.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at saveus.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. We're taking a look at the problem of allegiance here today, uh, discussing what has happened to allegiance, uh, why many of us are feeling strangely sometimes we pledge allegiance to the flag, realizing that is this compromising our allegiance to Christ himself because of the direction that our nation is taking? And obviously, obviously, Our first obligation, our first allegiance must be to God and to God alone. He alone is fit to make the universe's throne. Let everything that lives reserve its truest praise for God and God alone. When we played that song from Ray Bolts, I Pledge Allegiance to the Lamb, you'll notice the choice that we have to make. It's in choice that is coming rapidly upon us, whether we will choose Christ or culture, whether we will choose Christ or culture, whether we will choose Christ as the true Messiah or a counterfeit antichrist. It's coming very quickly, friends. Perhaps you don't quite realize it yet. This is the reason we talk about it so frequently here on this program because I believe that God has called us to prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour. To take these things serious, it's not just about somehow resurrecting a nation to somehow be a utopia on earth to save us from our sins so that we can live happily ever after. The Bible doesn't proclaim that. In the meantime, I believe he did raise up this nation so that the gospel could be spread across the seven seas and seven continents, so that we could be a light shining on a hill, as John Winthrop, a godly attorney, said in 1630 when he brought over six boatlo- uh, four boatloads of Puritans. Now, I have in my hands my book, Renewing the Soul of America, 
This book, as I have said before, was endorsed by 38 national Christian leaders. 38 national Christian leaders. That says something. Because they realized that all of the books that have been written about our country, about culture wars and all of this, were not really dealing with the spiritual issues, the most important issues of all. And they saw this book as providing the answers. And I make it available to you today. It's an $18 book. Here's for $15. Renewing the Soul of America. One person at a time, beginning with you. Over 500 quotations from our nation's history and so on. Very encouraging, uplifting, and also challenging. It's on our website, saveus.org, Renewing the Soul of America. Saveus.org. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Write a check at $5 for postage and handling. I do not think you'll be disappointed. Chapter 12 is called Faith and Freedom. It was the darkest hour of the American Revolution by mid-December 1777, just a year and a half after the Declaration of Independence had been signed. Only 11,000 men remained in the ranks of the Continental Army. They had just completed a daring attack on the British at Germantown and had suffered heavy losses, and desertion was a serious problem. The troops were weary. Uh, their clothing was torn and uh, shoes even scarcer. Uh, it got so bad that, uh, well, they were in absolute desperation. And the Continental Congress seemed to provide no help. But General Washington was unwilling to close his eyes. He was responsible for the men who had staked their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor on his leadership. And so against all the criticism, he chose to gather his troops together for the winter rather than risk another attack and certain defeat in their weakened condition. And so it was that they set up camp 20 miles from Philadelphia at a place which is embedded with pain in the memory of every American, a place called Valley Forge. It was awful. Starvation, exposure, disease, and death claimed the lives of 2,600 troops there. It tested George Washington to the max. And it was there that his own character was demonstrated before his people, and that's why they could give him allegiance. But in that darkest hour, General Washington drew upon his faith in the Lord. Not a foxhole faith, but a faith born of long-standing relationship to the Lord. He knew he was a servant and that the ruler of nations was the supreme commander, and so he bowed his knee and his heart to the King of Kings. And as a result of that, the famous painting depicting him kneeling in prayer in the snow at Valley Forge now is in our nation's capital and also on our gallery wall here at Save America Ministries. In the fury of life's battlefield, which are many, godly faith is going to be always fr uh, form the foundation of freedom and the hope of true freedom without godly faith, is futility. So that leads me back to the banks of Pikes Peak, America's Mountain, in 1996. 
After a week of prayer and fasting, I went to the top of Pikes Peak and read the book of Isaiah over the watershed of America, across the fruited plain. Ah, sinful nation, the whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And my heart was broken, not just for my country, but for the church in America that had betrayed her own country and betrayed her own God increasingly by embracing the ways of the world, pledging her allegiance on one hand to God and on the other hand to godless government, on the one hand to Christ and on the other hand to the culture. It was painful. And out of that week came a document called a lawsuit. It began as an open letter to the church, the leaders of the church in America, and ultimately took the form of a lawsuit. Jehovah God, the Lord of Nations versus the spiritual leaders of America, a.k.a. pastors, parachurch leaders, broadcasters, publishers, and so on, defendants. It was set in five legal causes of action. No, not filed in the courts of men, because the courts of men had no jurisdiction over such a lawsuit. It was filed spiritually in the courts of heaven. It was served on 300 of the most prominent Christian leaders in the land. And you'll find that document on our website called The Lawsuit. Saveus.org, saveus.org. It gave notice to the leaders of the church in America that we had breached our Pledge of Allegiance to God and to our country. Very little has been done since then other than alleged prayers for the salvation of the country, but no repentance, not real repentance, on behalf of the church. And so we stand in the same, if not a worse, condition today. We're going to hear the words of a wonderful song. It stirs my heart every time I hear it. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He's trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He's loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible and swift sword. His truth is marching on, whether it is in your boots or mine. Let's listen. I've seen him in the watchfires of a hundred circling camps. They builded him an altar in the evening dews and damps. I can read his righteous sentence by the dim and flaring lamps. 
His day is marching on. Indeed, he has sounded forth a trumpet that shall never call retreat. He's sifting out the hearts of men, men and women in this country, starting in his church, because judgment will begin first at the house of God. So he's sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet, for our God is marching on. The question is, is he marching on in your boots? Is he marching on in my boots? Is his truth really embraced in my life? Would those at the place of work, my place of work, know that I have allegiance to his truth and only his truth? Would my children know that my total and ultimate allegiance, bar none, is to God and his kingdom and to Christ? Interesting questions. We'll be back. We need faith in America, but not patriotic faith. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. True loyalty is born of obedience. If we're not obedient to the word, the will, and the ways of the Lord, we really don't have any allegiance to him. A soldier that does not obey the words of his commander has no allegiance either to his commander or to the army or military that he purports to serve. And therein lies our problem in America today. The reason we have such a profound and growing allegiance gap is because, indeed, we do. 
the allegiance gap that we find toward the country and toward the flag is actually rooted in our allegiance gap with the Lord, the God himself, who made and preserved us a nation. My very first book was called Preserve Us a Nation, based upon our national anthem. In our national anthem, the stanza that is very, very seldom sung is this. If I can remember it. <laughs> I'll come back to it in a moment, because I, I, I know it so, so well. These things happen in live broadcasting. Well, America is in deep need of the intervention of the isable hand of, of the ruler of nations in this very dark hour of our history. This is our Valley Forge, friends. Freedom is at stake. You know that. I know that. Destiny is at risk. The Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. How about where the Spirit of the Lord is not? Liberty turns into license and lawlessness. This is precisely the setup for the coming of a counterfeit Christ. One who, a nation who refuse, refuses to embrace and pledge its continuing allegiance to the God who made and preserves us a, a, a nation is ultimately going to pledge its allegiance to a counterfeit Christ. Do you understand that? This is not a game. It's not an effort to try to make people feel bad on the edge of our uh, National Independence Day, but rather to help us to see more clearly what really is happening. And then to be able to do something about it. You can't save America. I can't save America. Your pastor can't save America. We can get on some kind of a spiritual treadmill and still can't save America. Only God can do that. But, but, each one of us as an individual, as an individual, must to submit and pledge our allegiance by the way that we live to the God who made and preserved us a nation and to his son, Jesus Christ. And if we do not do that with full integrity of heart and action, we not only are self-deceived, but are betraying not only the church, but also our countrymen. America has a right to expect those of us who profess the name of Christ to live accordingly. If we do not, we are breaching our pledge of allegiance to the flag and our pledge of allegiance of faith to the Lord. It's a matter of faith and freedom. So, we're in need of a mighty awakening in our hearts, and our souls, an awakening of faith in the God who rules and governs in the affairs of men. We need a personal faith, a faith that can stand against the tide and tyranny of political correctness and the stripping of moral absolutes from our personal and national wardrobe. We are in our own valley forge. And in many respects, we are naked we're naked before God, just as is written in the book of Revelation, chapter 3. The church at Laodicea. You think you're rich and have need of nothing, but you're poor and wretched and naked. 
Our feet are bloodied. Our moral and spiritual clothes are tattered. We've been on a spiritual starvation diet in our churches. We're weakened. Many of us have died morally and spiritually, even in our churches. We need faith in America again. The faith that we need in this land is not faith in faith, nor a patriotically inspired, bootstrapped, emotionally hyped faith in America. The faith that we need is faith in the God who has preserved us a nation. We can't look to some charismatic leader or wait for a euphoric uprising of some good feelings from another Gulf War or uh, some other kind of a war, a culture war, or any other kind of a war, or an election. We need faith in God Almighty, and we need it now, and that is going to be reflected in obedience, and if it is not, it is artificial and phony and a counterfeit allegiance. And there's no national faith without personal faith. The question is not whether my neighbor or the president, my congressman, or even the pastor or priest has faith. The question is whether I am a man or a woman of genuine biblical faith. Is my total trust in the Lord? Am I yielded to him and to his will, or have I become part of the problem? Have I turned my faith in God gradually to faith in myself, in man's inventions, or in the government, in education, or anything else but the Most High God? We can see that the wasteland, that that kind of faith all around it, and it's, it's just everywhere. And it is totally dissing courage in our land. And when courage is lost, all is lost. It's time for us, friends, before we continue to plunge recklessly and almost frantically ever deeper into a faith wasteland, a wilderness without chart or compass, as we seem to be oblivious to where we're headed. And even the pollsters are now telling us where we're headed. How can we make sense of this confusion? How can we gain some perspective to sort out truth from fiction? And what effect does it have on all of our lives and in the life of our nation? Before we wrap up here, I want us to share an absolutely beautiful rendition of our national anthem. Some don't want to place their heart, their hand over their heart for the national anthem as a representation of our country. I still do. Do I have concerns about the integrity that that anthem and the flag represent currently? Yes. Do I still do I have concern about the so-called pledges and promises and things that are going on in our churches today and all of the proclamations and so on? Yes because none of them are representing integrity, full integrity, in the truth that they purport to represent. However, I am not going to yield. I am not going to personally yield to the spirit that some are yielding to, to throw out the baby with the bathwater. I'm going to continue to pledge allegiance to that which I understand this nation was intended to be. Because of the God who moved upon men of faith to lay the foundation for it. And I'm going to do my best 
to be that person that will help to keep it pure. Here's our national anthem, Sandy Patty.
Maybe that would have you standing. Maybe that would have you standing pledging allegiance. In any event, our first allegiance is to the Lord and to his kingdom and his righteousness. I hope this program has been inspiring to you, encouraging and perhaps challenging. Get a copy of the book, Renewing the Soul of America, on our website, saveus.org, to be further encouraged. God bless. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church, declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.